When it comes to the president versus a grieving widow, who gets the last word? And Republicans get a pep talk on taxes, get it done, or you may very well be fired. Plus, the private joke that had Bush and Obama laughing behind another president's back. This is the State of America tonight. The heated back and forth continues over the president's condolence call. He was so offended that a woman would be, that somebody would be listening to that call. He does owe the American people an apology for lying on one of their congresswomen. What she said was 100% correct. I didn't know there was a thousand troops in Niger. He should stop tweeting and start leading. I call it tax cuts. It'll be the biggest cuts ever in the history of this country. The goal here is to get middle class taxes down and to produce more jobs and opportunity for, for the American people. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin, live in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America tonight. A new week and a new chance for the White House to put the focus on anything other than the sad episode of last week, when the tragic death of four soldiers in Niger led to a political spat involving the president, his chief of staff, a Democratic congresswoman, and the widow of one sergeant. But alas, that's exactly where the president decided to start the week, once again, today, Maisha Johnson, the widow of, an Ar- of Army Sergeant LaDavid Johnson, spoke out publicly for the first time after burying her husband just this weekend. And she's demanding answers about what happened in that ambush. Why was her husband not found for two days? And why won't they let her see his body? They won't show me a finger, a hand. I know my husband's body from head to toe. And they won't let me see anything. I don't know what's in that box. It could be empty for all I know, but I need, to, I, I need to see my husband. She has questions still, and so does Congress, even, mo- even most simply about the extent of the U.S. presence in Niger. We don't know exactly where we're at in the world militarily and what we're doing. I didn't know there was a thousand troops in Niger. This is an endless war without band- boundaries, no limitation on time and geography. you got to tell us more. You heard Senator Graham there. He didn't know we had a thousand troops in Niger. Did you? Uh, no, I did not. Some answers, though, may be coming soon. One top congressional committee will be getting a briefing by the Pentagon later this week on exactly what they know. More, from questions there to something there seems to be no more questions about. Exactly what President Trump said to Sergeant Johnson's widow on the now much discussed and much debated condolence phone call. The president said that he knew what he signed up for, but it hurts anyways. What did you say to the president? I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. I just listened. But you were upset when you got off the phone. Oh, very, very upset and hurt. Very. It made me cry even worse. The only way he remembered my husband's name because he told me he had my husband report in front of him. And that's when he actually said la david that will hurt me the most because if my husband is out here fighting for our country and he risks his life for our country why can't you remember his name and maisha johnson also spoke directly to the bitter feud that erupted between the white house and the florida congresswoman who's also a family friend who was there in the car with miss johnson when the call happened 
Whatever Miss Wilson said was not fabricated. What she said was 100% correct. The phone was on speakerphone. Why would we fabricate something like that? So that is the last word on all of that, right? Unfortunately, no. The president responding on Twitter right after that interview aired with this. I had a very respectful conversation with the widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson and spoke his name from beginning without hesitation. What is the president trying to do here and there? Only he knows. But one Republican today had some advice for the commander in chief. I don't like to politicize this in any way, uh, but at the same time, look, I think it'd be better for the president. It'd be more gracious for the president to privately call her again and maybe try to clear, clear things up. That's what that's what I would do. Uh, I hope we're not beyond that. So let us at least take Char- Charlie Dent's advice there and move be- and move beyond that right now. The White House is both in search and in need of a legislative win. And the president, he seems to know that heading to Capitol Hill to have lunch with Senate Republicans tomorrow after jumping on a phone call with House Republicans this weekend. Part pep talk, part part dire warning to Congress to act on a major tax reform bill. The president is laying out what's at stake right now. Hopefully before the end of the year, but maybe much sooner than that. You know, there's a great spirit for it. People want to see it. And I call it tax cuts. It is tax reform also, but I call it tax cuts. It'll be the biggest cuts ever in the history of this country. Well, that remains to be seen. Why? Well, no one has seen any details yet. They've just heard a lot of big promises. But already, the top Republican in the Senate is saying that he is making no guarantees, apparently. Are you guaranteeing that whatever tax cuts are part of that will not add to the federal deficit? The goal here is to get middle class taxes down, uh, to to prevent job exportation, which our current uh, business taxes really encourage people to go offshore, and to produce, produce more jobs and opportunity for, for the American people. That's, that's the goal. And it's always good to have goals, like every journalist's goal of getting a politician to actually answer the question that they actually asked them. One politician, though, who has never shied away from that, just answering the question very directly, longtime Republican Senator John McCain, who over the years and even with a couple presidential runs under his belt, has earned the nickname of Maverick. Well, he is back in the news, not because of policy or because of his recently revealed battle with brain cancer, but because of his not so recent but never ending feud with Donald Trump. McCain taking the latest swipe this weekend when talking about the Vietnam War. We drafted the lowest income level of America and the highest income level found a doctor that would say that they had a bone spur. That is wrong. That is wrong. Important to note here, obviously, John McCain served and was a POW in Vietnam, but also important to note here, President Trump received just that very diagnosis to obtain one of his medical deferments from the Vietnam, from the Vietnam draft bone spurs. And McCain went there again today on ABC. People thought you were talking about um, Trump. Mr. Trump because he um, had a doctor's note um, that said he had bone spurs. I think and more he... than once, yes. The president says he is the ultimate counterpuncher. No counterpunch yet thrown today. But does any of this inter-party fighting help Republicans get a win on the board that we talk about over and over again? Well, the president has an answer for that. 
Do you worry that this bickering and feuding gets in the way of your agenda? No, and sometimes it helps, to be honest with you. So we'll see what happens in the end. But I think actually sometimes it helps. Sometimes it gets people to do what they're supposed to be doing. And, uh, you know, that's the way it is. I'm guessing Republicans on Hill might see that just slightly differently, but I will leave that to your imagination, just as I will this as well. How about a caption contest for a very fine Monday? In a rare joint appearance this weekend, the five living past presidents came together to raise money at a benefit concert for victims of the recent hurricanes. And amid all of this goodwill, this also happened. George W. Bush and Barack Obama sharing a laugh behind Bill Clinton's back. What could possibly be so funny between these two presidents of very different parties and of very different <laughs> political positions? And is Bill Clinton in on the joke? I actually really do want to know. Anyway, let your imagination run wild with that one as well while we get back to business. You gotta love laughing behind the president's back. And that gets us back over to the White House. The president, his agenda, and his Twitter account. Another day where the president looks for focus from his team on Capitol Hill, but is he offering the same? Caitlin Collins is at the White House with much more for us. Now, Caitlin, I can imagine everyone at the White House wanted this sad public fight over the condolence call to go away, quite simply, but the president, at least for one, was not going to. Yeah, that's right. This is largely a crisis of the president's own making, because as you'll remember, Kate, the floodgates on all of this were opened last Monday in that impromptu press conference here at the Rose Garden in the White House with the president and the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Now that was meant to project unity between all Republicans on tax reform and to project this message about that. But that's when it turned into all of this stuff when the president was asked why he had been so silent about the deaths of those four soldiers in Niger. And then that continued on with his feud with Congresswoman Frederica Wilson from Florida, the Democratic Congresswoman from Florida, who's been a close family friend of the Johnsons. They disputed what each other had said during the call. The president said she had fabricated his account or her account of what she said happened during the call because she was in the car while the call was on speakerphone. But during that interview this morning with the widow, Maisha Johnson, she said that Congresswoman Wilson's account of the call was 100 percent correct. So we've not only seen that, but then we've also seen the president dispute what the widow herself said this morning after she said it was a very hurtful phone call when the president couldn't or struggled to remember her husband's name. And then shortly after that interview aired, the president was on Twitter this morning disputing her account and saying that he was respectful during the conversation and that he never hesitated to remember Sergeant LaDavid Johnson's name. So this is something that the White House isn't doesn't seem to be backing down from. We know that in the interview, though, that Maisha Johnson said she didn't have any words left for the president. And I'm told right now by sources inside the White House that there are no plans for the president or anyone else in the administration to reach out to the Johnson family again right now, Kate. So we stand by to see the next chapter in this sad episode. Caitlin, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Coming up for us, President Trump says it's easier than health care. After seeing how that debate played out, that's like saying water's wet. Isn't everything easier after that? So stay with me now. Follow me because you know I'm going to lose you. Are taxes wetter than health care? Yes, I've confused myself. The panel will be here next to help me out.
Nine months, nine months into office, President Trump still looking for a big legislative win. You know what's a surefire winner? Taking on a massive overhaul of the nation's tax system, something that hasn't been done in three decades. So no problem, right? The panel tonight, <laughs> I love it. It's already a win when I make Bill laugh. Evan Siegfried, Republican strategist and the author of GOP GPS. David Drucker is here, CNN political analyst and senior congressional correspondent at the Washington Examiner. Alice Stewart, CNN political commentator. She was communications director for Republican Ted Cruz's presidential campaign. And Bill Press, the host of the Bill Press Show. All right, Texas, so fun. <laughs> How are your taxes these days, David? No. Too high. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Too damn high. Um, <laughs> that was rent. Sorry. Uh, no, um, right. no, jumping on a conference call with House Republicans over the weekend, heading to leaving the White House to go to Capitol Hill to go have lunch with Senate Republicans tomorrow. That seems like something we haven't seen in a while from Donald Trump. Some skin in the game. The president rarely takes in a meal outside of a Trump property unless he's in the White House. <laughs> so this is kind of a big deal. No, look. Um, I think that for all of the president's antics, mm -hmm. his effort on tax reform, maybe the bar is low, but his effort on tax reform has been the most conventional we've seen since he's been in office, I think. And for him, that's very important. Because if they're going to take the tough votes to get this thing across the finish line, and we don't have any of the details yet, the details that right. really matter, the budget resolution passed the Senate. The House is going to swallow it. Those are big, important things. So for our viewers, they made a step to make it easier for Republicans to pass this in an expedited fashion if they get there. Remember, they did that with health care, too. We saw how that ended up. Keep going. Correct. And so that matters. But now they actually have to work out what's going to be in the legislation, the kinds of things that can get voters all up in arms if they don't like what yes. they hear. And so that's what's next. The president and Republicans in Congress need to not fight with each other. They need to stay on message so they can try and promote what is good about this in their point of view because the Democrats are going to nail this thing as hurting the middle class. And so it's going to be a fight. So th this is what they need to try to do. Can they actually accomplish yeah. it? We'll find as out. As I said in the lead, goals are good, Alice. And then, <laughs> and then what happens? Here's what Trump said. I'll just read it. I'll paraphrase it for you. Trump on Fox, he said, he said actually that health care was so difficult that he thinks that this makes taxes easier. Do you think that's a reality? I don't think it's a reality. I mean, everything in Washington is hard these days because yes, no yes, one yes, wants yes, to work yes. together. So, yes, health care, my, in my view, there never should have been a timeline on it. They should have t uh, talked about it and then come to a decision when they had a decision. I do believe that the Trump administration is better suited to make progress when it comes to tax reform. This is a little bit more in his wheelhouse. His um, advisors are out there really pushing the emphasis on simplifying the tax code, mm -hmm. really helping out middle-class uh, Americans. And look, those on the left are already attacking this because there's a corporate tax cut in here. But look, the reality is middle-class America, those hardworking people that haven't gotten a raise in the last seven, eight years, they're the ones that voted for Donald Trump. He's not going to walk away from them. So this is something that will benefit middle-class Americans. Does it have a uh, possibility for tax cuts for corp corporations? Yes, it does. But it Bill is making the strangest faces next to you right now. I'm, I'm not sorry, really Alice. Sure. <laughs> I'm just waiting my turn. That's all. Go ahead. The, the, right. the emphasis is on simplifying the code and making it better for middle-class Americans. There is nothing. First of all, we haven't seen the details. We haven't. We actually seen the don't bill. know what the definition uh, of middle class is it, yet. Uh, like also, really, when it comes, the to government the, actually uh, hasn't decided who qualifies <laughs> in serious. the middle-class tax bracket. What thing. does it mean? But here's what I know: if you make over. $730,000 a year who are the primary beneficiaries of this 
list of cuts we've seen so far. It's not tax reform. We're not going to see tax reform. It's going to be a list of tax cuts. How are cuts. you so sure? If you're Negative, Nancy. How because, are you so well, sure? You well, haven't seen the details yet. All we've seen so far, everything they've talked about so far in their framework, are tax cuts. They haven't talked about tax reform. But again, if you make over $730,000, I know you are not part of the middle class. There is nothing we've seen so far that. That, would help the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that would help the middle class. Does Just answer this, Evan, from a conventional standpoint, when there is nothing conventional these days, do you still believe, as a lot of folks have all along, ta- a, a tax reform tax cut when whatever it is, it will cure all the ails that have been plaguing this party as they head into 2018? Healthcare, forgotten. Controversies after, the Charlotte, after Charlottesville, forgotten. What the president is going through with this spat with this widow, forgotten. Well, it's just as much the reality as me having a date with Jennifer Lawrence later tonight. Uh, I, I think it will she didn't go. Call me for your number, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Tell her to wait. Um, I think that we are. It's going to help a little bit, but there's still not going to be that natural trust between both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. House Republicans and Senate Republicans don't trust the White House, and vice versa. So it would be good to get a win on the board, and it would go a long way toward 2018. But at the same time. I don't think there is that relationship there between the White House and the Congress where there is that trust. And I think the Congress has moved away from the president in the past several months on smaller things, but important things. I mean, they have. That is true. They have moved away on some smaller things. Is are the Republicans going are the Republicans entering like a real identity crisis, though, in terms of not only just within the party right now, but with (laughs) not only. Yes, but how about this? Um, When it comes to taxes, everything was always has to be revenue neutral. We care about deficits and debt. And until we don't is what I'm feeling right now. And this is actually a great way to try and understand what is going on with them. They are all over the map if you're looking at traditional Republicans and their positions on taxes. Here's one for you. Yes, the whole deficit neutral thing. Nobody cares except when you don't control the purse strings. (laughs) So I'll forgive their situational politics. The Republicans keep talking about adding a fifth bracket or a fourth bracket or an extra bracket for people that make more than a million dollars or are deemed rich. That is a Barack Obama talking point. He can feel good that he won the tax war when it comes to messaging. The Republicans used to argue, rightly or wrongly, that everybody who worked for a living deserved a tax cut because this is America. The government doesn't own your money. Yeah. You do. And the, de- and the Republicans have now thrown in with the Democrats, and they have decided that if you make too much money, whatever the government de- deems to be too much, right. you don't get as much of a cut. I don't even know what makes sense anymore. Oh, I know taxes are that exciting, but we have more issues to talk about, like trust <laughs> issues, people. I don't trust any of you at all, except I do. Have you ever been to a retreat with your office where they make you do those trust fall exercises? Me neither. I don't go to those things. But I have heard about them, and I have this strange feeling that I don't think Republicans in Congress should agree to that trust-building exercise with the president anytime soon. GOP Trust Issues, the therapy session, next. Do you trust the president in these negotiations? Do you trust the president as a partner in getting these things done? I do. <laughs> I do. Please ask me a different question. Welcome to 2017, when that is a provocative question to ask the Republican leader of the Senate about a Republican president. But that is where we are today. Do you trust him? Sure. 
Moving on. The, ba- the panel is back now. Evan, McConnell says yes. How would you answer that question? Nope. There is no trust whatsoever between the White House McConnell's and... McConnell's not telling the truth? McConnell... <laughs> He's a a, got a great poker face. <laughs> but I, I don't think that the Republicans really trust President Trump because at some times he's going out and praising people and then the next day he's tweeting about how terrible they are or their height and how they don't have uh, the ample height. It's really on and off. And we've seen how when President Trump turns on a Republican, yeah. such as Jeff Flake, how their numbers crater. So they don't trust him, but they trust themselves enough not to say anything about him. I mean, to that point, Alice, I mean, it was just last, I think it was just last week, unless the time-space continuum has folded once again for me, that it was the bipartisan health care fix that he encouraged that he then said he could not support. That happened just last week. How can that maybe, how, how, is there any guarantee that doesn't happen on taxes? Now? No, and, and here's the thing. The trust issue, there's not just a trust gap within the GOP. Look at Chuck and Nancy, who thought that they were all playing kumbaya so with the president recently and thinking that, hey, my buddy New York friend is going to help me out. That didn't work out too well either. So unfortunately, as much as I uh, stand by the policies of this president, there is a trust factor here. And, and I think until he can convince people that what he says today will be what he says tomorrow, mm-hmm. We're going to still be in this situation. No. Donald Trump, though, seems there are a lot of folks who think that is um, the genius of Donald Trump, that he really does keep everyone on their toes to the extent that Republic, he's not he's not, you know, married to the Republicans. He's not married to the Democrats. He's married to the people who put him in office. Well, is there strength in that? Well, first, I got to say, I think it's really significant that we're talking about trust between Donald Trump and Republicans in Congress. Yes. We're not even talking about uh, the other party. Right. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think they trust. If you look at Alexander Murray, nobody really knows where he stands on that health care mm-hmm. bill. If you look at Steve Bannon, right? I mean, oh, that was, yeah. I mean, he still talks to Steve Bannon two or three times a week. And Bannon is trying to take out every Republican running for reelection except Ted Cruz. So I can, you can understand why the Republicans on the Hill don't really know where he is, don't trust him, don't have any loyalty to him. And is it be- strategic on his part? I think it's because he doesn't have a clue himself where he stands. <laughs> but David, is there, is there, <laughs> Sorry. Mo- moving off of you, Bill, negative Nancy, um, I don't know why I keep calling you that today, um, if they do not trust him, let's just assume that they don't. It's a fair stipulation. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. How do they successfully run for re-election in 2018? I mean, how, if you really don't, I mean, the polls show, and this is why, polls show Republicans trust Donald Trump more on the issues that they care about. Republicans yeah. trust Donald Trump more than they trust Congress. So They need wins on the board. They need to be able to pass some of this big-ticket legislation, stuff they've been running on for years, particularly in 2016. That's how they can go to voters and say, I was productive. And David, you have said that since day, I'm a, what day, whatever day we're on, I know from, I keep since day this. one. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, look, when I talk to Republicans who are focused on 2018, and I say, what do you need to do? What is the thing you worry about? They know it. What they tell me is our voters are more likely to turn out in a midterm year, and we like the way the voters are distributed for us, particularly Mm -hmm. in Senate races. Our biggest fear is not that an energized Democratic base will overwhelm us. It's that our reliable voters just won't show up because they won't think it's worth it. They like Trump more than members of Congress, and they'll think to themselves, I'll vote for Trump in 2020, the heck with you guys in 2018, and that's what Republicans worry about most. That's why, with tax reform... Just to bring it back to that, what do Republicans worry about the most? That they'll make a deal with Donald Trump on some part of the bill one day, the next day he'll change his mind, and they'll go in circles with themselves. So I guess, in the end, who cares about trust 
they just need to get stuff on the board. I mean, it doesn't matter if you trust. Surf's, then well, this it, is doesn't, my it doesn't matter. Here's, here's but, my but proposition. Here's... Congress, do your job. Pass a bill. Send it to the president. You don't have to trust him. Who cares? He'll veto it or pass it. But you did your job. I'm going to leave it there. I get final word. Sorry. I claim it. <laughs> this is day 277 of President Trump's administration. That's the State of America tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.